listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, and I have chronic back pain from 25 years of experience <laughs> building and repairing guitars. It's true. It's my it's my career, my vocation. You ever thought about the word vocation? It's almost like a vacation. It's not vo- voc- like vocal. It's, mm-hmm. a co- it's a calling. Oh. You see? Vocation. Is that true? Literally not even two minutes in the podcast, and you're learning so much. Uh, Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Yes, indeed. Uh, I have um, some fun things for today. We're going to do some fun things. No news. No, uh, That's not you fun. Know, nothing tedious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read some, uh, news story on the, from the internet. Those are terrible. That's terrible when we do that. We need to stop doing that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys like the news segments or let us know? Yeah. Because it seems to me like it just, it's painful to listen to. Um, I have a quiz for you. Do you want to do the quiz now or you want to do the quiz later? Quiz for me? Yes, for you. Uh,. Let's do the quiz. Okay. I think it's going to be fun. Okay. Okay. This is a little quiz I wrote. Oh, no. For for you. I didn't know to, I was uh, going to be tested yes, today. Yeah. Yes, you are competing against the uh, audience here. I don't know. Okay. No, All right, Competing audience. against me. Well, I wrote the quiz, so I already win. I'm sorry. Audience? And write your quest your your answers down and email them in. Yeah, those of you at home, you can play along and see what you come up with. Uh, I know that most of our listeners will probably get one hundred percent. I my guess is Melissa is going to get a very high score. Oh no! Very high. Okay, this is the quiz. I'm going to say a name. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell me if that name is the name of a blues musician. Oh, no, buddy. Or the name of a guitar color. <sighs> so, <laughs> this is fun. Oh, uh, okay. Here Come we go. on now. This is fun. This is really fun. No, nah, it'll be great. Well, the people at home are going to love I, it. They think it's awesome. Okay. Blues musician or guitar color? Okay. Sherwood Green. Uh, uh That's a guitar color. Yes, absolutely. That is a guitar color. Nice. Sherwood Green. One of the most common names amongst automotive paints, going back to the 1920s, 
Sherwood green was first used by Ford in 1953, mm. but that color differs from the one used by Fender, which originated in the 1957 models. The same color was also used in 1957 by Ford under the name Vermont green. Mm. Did you know that most Fender custom colors come from uh, car colors of the era, you know, 50s and 60s car colors? I did not know that. Yeah, how about that? It's interesting. Okay. Tampa red. Tampa red. Color. Guitar color. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Dang it. Tampa red. Hudson Whitaker, also known as Tampa red, was an American Chicago blues musician. His songwriting and his bottleneck slide guitar technique influenced many other leading Chicago blues guitarists. Tampa red was one of the most prolific blues recording artists of his era. It's been estimated that he, re- he recorded 335 songs on 78 RPM records. How about that? Fascinating. Isn't it? Uh, next. Okay, so you're one, f- you're one for two. Okay. You're going to ace the rest of this. Rabbit Brown. Damn it. <laughs> Don't be too mad now. <laughs> okay, Rabbit Brown. Is this a blues musician or a guitar color? Uh... I don't, I don't know. You have to guess. Uh, the, he's a blues mu- musician. Blues musician. Oh, absolutely. That's oh, right. goodness. Yep. From 1880 to 1937, he lived. Richard Rabbit Brown, American blues guitarist and composer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He recorded six singles for Victor <laughs> Records on May 11th, 1927, one of which, James Alley Blues, is included in the 1952 anthology of American folk music and has been covered by Bob Dylan, among others. How about that? Next, Gold Top. Gold Top. Gold Top. That's a guitar color. <sighs> That's right. <laughs> Common nickname for the gold color of the earliest Gibson Les Pauls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew uh, that. In, they, they, in 1957, they switched to uh, sunburst finishes. Uh, yeah, or 58. Absolutely. All right, next. You ready? Yeah. Lemon Drop. Lemon Drop? That's a That's got to be a blues player. I'm sorry. <sighs> that's a nickname for a faded Les Paul Sunburst. Dang it. The red aniline dye used in the outer band of the original 50s Gibson Sunburst would commonly fade with exposure to light, creating a much more mellow sunburst over time of yellow and brown hues. Referred to as a lemon drop burst. Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Do you like this quiz? I love it. You hate it. All right. Piano red. Well, that sounds like a color. Piano red. It's a blues player? Yes. Oh, my. That's right. It's a... I'm, you got it wrong, but I'm going to... But I gave you a second chance. <laughs> There's only two options. Willie Lee... <laughs> Willie Lee Perriman. Uh, usually known professionally as Piano Red, <laughs> and later in life as Dr. Feelgood, was an American blues musician. I would like to have it known that there was a folded up piece of paper next to the uh, scripts, mm-hmm. and uh, Eric handed me his script, my script, and uh, he kept that one under wraps. Yeah, you have not He's seen this. He's very suspicious. All right. Uh, yeah, Piano Red. Okay. Some music historians credit his 1950 recording, Rocking with Red, 
for the popularization of the term rock and roll in Atlanta. Mm. How do you like that? I love it. All right. Dakota red. Dakota red's a color. All right. Yes, it is. See, I know my colors. I just don't know my blues players. It's amazing how many of the, I mean, does Dakota red not sound like a, like a blues musician? Yeah. Some kind of train hopping hobo itinerant blues musician from the thirties. Dakota red. Tampa red. Tampa red is absolutely right. Like a blues person. Introduced in 1957 by GM for the Cadillac, the color was quickly ushered into the Fender line of colors. The color completely opaques the grain of a guitar and is arguably the reddest of all the Fender colors. Hmm. All right. Daphne Blue. Daphne Blue's a color. All right. Yes. Originally an automotive color, it was offered only on the 1958 Cadillac. Slightly darker than Sonic Blue, Daphne Blue found its way into the Fender custom color scheme in 1960. All right, you ready for the next one? Bull City Red. Well, that's got to be a blues player. No, right. Born George Washington in, <laughs> in 1917. Hey, that's a very common name. Yeah. Is this, are you, are we close to being over? Is this done? Bull City Red was an American Piedmont <laughs> blues guitarist, singer, and washboard player, most closely associated with Blind Boy Fuller and... Reverend Gary Davis, one of my personal favorites. Little is known of his life outside his recording career, which is very common on, on among these early blues players. Mm. A lot of them we don't know much about. Right. Pelham Blue. P-E-L-M-A-N? P-E-L-H-A-M. Pelham, Pelham Blue. Pelham Blue. That's a color. Yes! That's correct. In the 1960s. Gibson offered many colors which seemed to echo the colors of Fender. One such color is Pelham Blue. It's lighter than Fender's Lake Placid Blue and is a metallic derived from the 1960 Cadillac color of the same name. Pine Top. Pine Top? Yes, Pine Top. Is that referring to a guitar color or a blues musician? That's a guitar color. I'm sorry. (laughs) Willie... Joe Willie Pinetop Perkins was an American blues pianist. I'm sorry, his name was Joe Willie Perkins, and he didn't just go with Joe Willie Perkins. Right, Pinetop. Wow. Uh, he played with some of the most inf- influential blues and rock performers of his time and received numerous honors, including a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award and induction into the Blues Hall of Fame. He lived from 1913 to 2011. Whoa. Yeah. 98. Yeah. He played Seattle when I was up there. My friend Steve played in the band with him. Pretty cool. Pine Top. Pine Top Perkins, man. I mean, one of, probably the quintessential blues pianist. Arguably. Sorry, I did not know. That's okay. I thought that one might get you. I don't know. Booker White. Booker White sounds like a blues player. Does it? It is, yes. Booker T. Washington, Booker White. They call him Booker. B-U-K-K-A, Booker, which he hated. His name was Booker. Lived from 1906 to 1977, an American Delta blues guitarist and singer. Uh, He gave his cousin, B.B. King, a Stella guitar. Wow. King's first guitar. He was B.B. King's cousin. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I got an extra credit one for you. Okay. Are you ready? 
Yeah. You're hating this or or you're going to sneeze. I can't tell. No, I just don't like being in embarrassed oh there's nothing embarrassing about this it was just fun knowledge tell me what's my extra credit jack white but he's not either thank you that's correct (laughs) that was for the extra credit question that is correct jack white is neither a blues musician or a guitar color that is correct very good well, you did well. I'm not going to tally up your score or anything. Why but not? That, well, because I, I don't even know how many questions there are or how to do the math. Did I win? I'm a simple guitar country guitar doctor. I'm not a not a mathematician. I'm not going to figure out a percentage of what you got right. <laughs> uh, shall we? Uh, shall we read some? Uh, some co- oh, you know what? We have uh, we have questions to take uh, in the form of calls. Great. Let's do that. Let's do it. Hey, Eric and Melissa. This is Drew in Wisconsin. I was just rubbing some lemon oil on a guitar, Rosewood neck, and it made me think of something you said the other day that I wanted to make a comment on. Somebody was asking how often they should uh, oil their Rosewood neck, and you, in passing, said that you can't really overdo it because you rub off the excess. But you're being too kind, giving people the benefit of the doubt, and I just had to tell a story that I saw with my own two eyes. Um, you can't overdo it. There was guitar store sales associate who was doing a restring on a classic uh, 60s or 70s Gibson hollow body guitar. And I was watching him do the restring, and it wasn't his guitar either. He was doing it for, for a customer. And he took that little bottle of... Dunlop 65 lemon oil with a little felt tip. He touched it over and he squeezed on the bottle so that the lemon oil really poured out all over the neck. Oh, dear. And uh, that lemon oil was flowing down the neck. I guess you can't overdo you could play it. that neck like lightning because the lemon oil was rolling around the fingerboard down the neck and, boy, a sopping wet neck with lemon oil on nitrocellulose lacquer, your thumb would fly up and down that neck. <laughs> Played like lightning. And I just sat there cringing, of course. Yeah. So anyway, it's just kind of a funny antidote of you can't some some people can't overdo things. <laughs> so it's worth mentioning again. The key to what you said is clean up the excess. That's the key. Then you can't overdo it. Yeah. But Man, uh, you're giving people the benefit of the doubt, and uh, that's good. You, but uh, I don't usually do that because I've seen so much. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, you can't overdo it, and I know you know that. But keyword, clean up the deck. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So thanks, you guys. Great show. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I think what I meant when I said you can't overdo it is you like you you can't do it too many times in a year. Like the question was, how often do you do it? And and I was saying, well, you can't really overdo it. Like if you if you oil the fingerboard every time you change your strings, that's fine. If you do it a couple times a year, that's a that's a minimum. But yeah, as far as how much oil you put on, you you can overdo it. I mean, you yeah. want to, yeah, just a little bit it goes a long way. Yeah, just use a little bit. A little side note: Did you know this? The lemon oil that you buy is mm-hmm. really just kind of like lemon scented uh, mineral oil. <laughs> 
Really? Yeah, it's not really pure lemon oil. I mean, that would be that would be, that would be a very caustic yeah. solution, actually. Well, it would be expensive. It too, would be more I like an guess. like an essential oil. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? I'm just filibustering my own show while I try to f- figure out how to run my computer. Uh, okay, next. Oh, same guy here. I think. Hey, Is Eric it? and Melissa. Uh, Drew from Wisconsin again. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Only much. one. Only one call per show. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm just kidding, Drew. Sure that I was wondering if you know if you've ran into it before or know anything about it. It's a Washburn D D21 uh, EN, whatever that means. Who knows? D21S. Basically a Martin copy Washburn from the late 80s. Um, and it's got that, this, I've actually never seen a Washburn like this. It has the horrible, really wide plastic saddle or rubberish saddle with the yeah. six individual little white saddles in the saddle. Yeah. Um, like you see on some ovations. Mm-hmm. It's just that early, some sort of piezo technology, you know. But the, that saddle is flush with the top of the bridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it came stock like that, but he said it did. And, um, of course, the action is high because the neck uh, could use a reset. But it's this 80s, late 80s, early 90s Washburn. I mean, is that even a dovetail in there? Oh, who knows? Um, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, wondering if you know. Because, you know, it could use a neck reset, but is it even worth it? I don't know what this... And this horrible saddle thing. Yeah, I know. Um, it, it bottomed out, you know, and the action's still too still too high. Yep. And when I look at the neck joints to the body, you know, it just looks so thick. And the finish just looks caked on or yeah. where they meet. Um, I just can't imagine doing a neck reset on it. I know, me neither. The guy bought it brand new in 1989. He's all proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I mean, it's saying, I'm sorry, a bad answer. It probably is. So wondering if you've ever experienced these. Yeah, Enjoy. I have. And he, um, he sent me a picture of that guitar and saddle. And I've seen those. I've seen a lot of those. And I'm pretty sure, here's, here's what's going on with that. Those came stock typically with quite a few shims under the saddle. And what happens over time, you take that to get set up down at the, uh, down at the local, you know, guitar fixer. And, uh, you take out a shim or two as the, as the neck creeps, right? Over the years. I mean, he, he says it came stock like that, but I'm sure he's taken it in to have it set up a time or two. So, uh, my guess is, that came stock with several shims underneath that saddle because that's how they came. And then over the years, the shims have been taken out, and now it's to the point where it needs a neck reset, and all the shims are gone, and that saddle is really low. Yeah, it's a weird-looking saddle with, like, a... It has six individual little saddle inserts, one for each string, little white inserts inside a plastic thing with a pickup built into the bottom. Ah. <sighs> What a nightmare. I'm sh- I am so glad that acoustic guitar electronics have come so far since this technology. Because that really is a terrible design. 
Um, yeah, what I would be tempted to do on that would be, uh, I, I mean, if you really want to be a hero, you could try to reset a neck on a on a Chinese wash burner. Maybe it's Korean. I don't know. But uh, I, I'm, I wouldn't be too excited about that. What I would want to do would be to um, take that saddle out of there. I'm sure the pickup probably sounds terrible anyway. Put a real saddle in there and uh, put a, a more modern pickup in there if the, if, if the owner of the guitar wants a pickup. And then measure the bridge height, right? And if, it's, and if it's a pretty good thick bridge like a lot of those have, you can get away with sanding the bridge down in order to compensate for the fact that it has a bad neck angle. Now, before you get all bent out of shape, this is not something I would recommend doing on a nice guitar, ever, okay? Never. Not even a harmony. But an 80s washburn where that, God knows what that neck joint is, it's, it might be doweled on, and it's, it's not worth a three $400 neck reset, right? So if you can get away with just shaving like a millimeter or two off the top of that bridge then that way you've got a little bit of saddle poking out of the slot and put a nice saddle in there. That's what I'd be tempted to do. Now, I know that's a hack repair, but look, to be honest, that's a hack guitar, okay? <laughs> I mean, extreme problems require extreme solutions. Now, I'm sure some of you are cringing and they'd say, oh, I'd reset that neck. Well, have fun. I've, I have more important guitars to work on, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. You are on one tonight. I'm not on anything. That's the that's the problem. Okay, let's take a call here. Hey, Eric. This is Justin Eisen with Eisen and Guitars in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, the question I had for you was more about business and process. Um, how do you manage your workflow? Um, for example, do you take your guitar and start working on it right away? Do you have several going at once? Um, what is your process for when a customer says they need it by this day, they need it within three days or two days? Um, do you have a charge for that? Yeah, I think that was it. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, thanks for the call, my friend. Um, yeah, I have usually a kind of a stack of guitars I'm working on. More extensive restorations get a um, an estimate as far as time goes. You know, usually, I mean, if it's something that has to be rebuilt and then painted and everything, that can take months. And so the customer is a is you know. Um, aware of the timeline. If it's something like a restring, now that should only take a couple days. It depends on my workload. My typical workload for kind of quicker repairs is usually about seven to ten days. So um, I do them in the order that they come in, right? And if somebody, which you get a lot, people say, hey, I need this guitar by uh, by Thursday, and today is Tuesday. Well, there's there's two ways to deal with that. One is you can um, wait, you know, the normal turnaround time because there's other guitars that were here that were brought before yours, right? So th mm -hmm. this this has to be done in a fair manner, right? Or if you want to do rush service, that moves your guitar to the front of the line, and that is um, time and a half. So my normal labor rate 
is $60 an hour. My rush labor rate is $90 an hour. So that's how I do it. That's how I work it. I do the guitars in the order they come in, pretty much. And uh, tell the customer the turnaround time. And then if it's something that they absolutely have to have, then they can pay for rush service. And if they don't want to do that, then they can wait the 7 to 10 days. That's how I do it. That's the only fair way I figured out how to do it. Because everybody that drops off a guitar, almost, some people are so nice and say, hey, take your time. But a lot of people say, I I need this by Thursday. I have uh, band practice, you know. So that's how I do it. Hey, Eric, this is Justin again. Um, I remembered that I wanted to tell you that I have the Stumac heat stick for neck removal, hmm. and it is most excellent. Hmm. It's um, it's hassle-free, and it ends up being less work, if you can believe it. So, love the show. Thanks a lot. I've heard that from several people. I uh, I, I haven't tried it, and I, I'm just old-fashioned, man. I like I like the methods that I have and that I've that I've been doing for years and years, so I'll probably stick with what I'm doing. But one of these days, maybe I'll try the heat stick. Man, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Hey, Eric. The end of last week's episode, um, you said something to the effect of every time I, um, every time you make a, an opinion on something, somebody's feelings get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh a lot, and... I just wanted to call to say that that's why we love this show. So don't <laughs> don't uh, edit yourself too much because we want that color, or else it's too boring. So give us yeah. give us your opinions. Don't forget it's about guitar science and guitar opinions. Oh yeah, and the few people can have hurt feelings; they'll get over it. The rest of us love it. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I. Tr- I don't want to step on people's toes, you know? I I just try not to because it's hard. Look, this is an industry where there's a lot of people kind of selling kind of snake oily, you know, stupid things. And I I always know somebody spent too much time on the Internet when they come come around my shop and say, Hey, can, have you heard about this, this stupid tone, uh, tone pot that we can switch out? Like, what? What what forum are you reading this on, you know? Like, what do you want your tone pot to do that it doesn't? And I think that's what that, when I said that, I was talking about that, some tone pot that you swap out and that somebody asked about. And I, my response was, well, you know, just use a normal tone pot. That way you don't have to spend 40 bucks on a, on some fancy tone pot that does the same thing. But then I looked him up. And? They're not $40. They're $100. What? Well, there's, there's a bargain model is $75. They range from $75 to $150. For a pot? Yeah. A single it's pot? It's a drop-in, yeah. It's a drop-in tone pot replacement, blah, 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 whatever. You listen to the sound clips. They they have a sound clip of what a, of a normal tone pot from zero to 10. Mm-hmm. And then their stupid tone, tone pot from zero to ten, and it just cuts at, out less highs. So you can do the same thing. Take out your capacitor that's probably point oh two two or point oh three three or point oh four seven or point oh five, 
and put in a .01 tone cap, and you'll get a much more useful uh, tone roll-off from 0 to 10. And the great thing about that is you can buy a tone capacitor, a .01 microfarad tone cap, for less than a dollar. Wow. Not a hundred dollars. That's a big savings And there. guess what? It does the same thing. To my ears, I mean, I listened to the thing and I'm going, are you kidding me? This is a hundred dollars. You know what they say, man. There's one born every minute. So uh, let's have the next call. Hello, Eric and Melissa. This is Warren up in Alberta. And really been enjoying the show. Um, probably about 60 episodes in, maybe 70 bouncing around in the 100-plus episodes you have on already. So well done, well done. Thank you. Um, my question is about an old harmony that I have. Yeah, but It's an old, probably 50s, maybe maybe into the 40s. It kind of looks like one of those wartime harmonies. Um, it has a tropical um, scene stenciled on the front. Mm-hmm. And it needs a lot of work, um, but one glaring issue kind of cosmetic issues. Uh, it's got a, uh, where someone had an old sticker on the front and it's left a residue that looks kind of like that, uh, really thick, crusty, hard, old duct tape residue that you get when you pull off some really old duct tape that's, you know, been on there for 20 years or whatever. And so I've tried the lighter fluid technique, soaked a rag in some lighter fluid, put it on there, sprayed some on there. Let it soak for a little while. Nothing's coming loose. It's just rock hard stuff. And, uh, you know, I've even tried putting a little heat from the hair dryer on it after the lighter fluid has been dried and removed, of course. And no luck. So just looking to see if you might have some kind of tip, you know, a more aggressive way to remove this. The finish underneath it, you know, it looks like someone scrubbed on this thing before. So, you know, what thin finish there was yeah. probably mostly gone. It was a natural kind of satin-looking finish, and the wood is natural-looking underneath, so I might be able to touch it up after I get this uh, residue removed. But any tips you might have on getting really, really hard, old, crusty, duct-tape-looking residue off of old guitars would be much appreciated. So thanks again for the wonderful work you two are doing, and uh look forward to hearing what you might have to recommend. Thanks. Yeah, buddy. That was Warren in Canada. Uh, he sent me a picture of that guitar. It's one, it's one of the really old ones with, like, the stenciled, you know, picture on it. That's awesome. And, yeah, the finish is so thin on those. I mean, I mean, it's barely there, especially after all this time. Yeah. So getting that residue off is, without disturbing the finish is almost impossible. I mean... He said naphtha is not working. I would try... See, this is tough, because it's, if it's shellac, and it might be. I mean, a guitar that old, it might be shellac. But I, I would be tempted to try rubbing alcohol. Mm. But if it's shellac, um, alcohol can just... That'll just take the finish right off. Mm-hmm. So maybe try a little tiny spot first. I don't know. Um, the other thing I would be tempted to try uh, is, well, I'm, there's a product called Goof Off, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so oily that that's just going to seep into the 
under the finish and yeah. into the wood, so probably not that. But I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted to try uh, rubbing alcohol next, and then um, see where that gets you. I don't know, man. Just maybe, maybe, um, maybe a light solvent, and uh, you know what I do when I'm scraping something that I want to scrape it flush. I'll take a razor blade and I'll put tape around the how, how can I describe this so this I'll leave the center of the razor blade um untaped mm-hmm. and the edges of the razor blade have tape around them so that um you can scrape and kind of the tape kind of floats on the surface mm-hmm. and then so the blade is just sitting up just the width of the tape from the finish. So you could scrape that residue off by just floating the uh, razor blade over it uh, and maybe a little bit of solvent just to act as a lubricant to help it come off. Yeah. But without really damaging the finish because you've got tape wrapped around the corners, you know, the outside of the razor blade, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Made sense maybe to me. Tr- maybe try that. That's what I would do. That's going to be tough, you know. The and the good news is you could pr- you can probably touch this up after you're done pretty well. Um, those old finishes like that are they're super thin, but they're kind of easy to they're a lot easier to touch up than like a the dipped in glass Paul Reed Smith look. Right. Yeah. So how about that? <clears throat> well, th- that's our calls. Cool. Yeah. So maybe we should take a break here. Sounds good. This episode, episode of 104, wow. yeah, of the Fret Files podcast, is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Apex Coffee Roasters, based in Waco, Texas, they search the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. I, I was drinking some this morning. Me too. We just opened up a new bag. Is it oversteer? That's what we've, uh, I think oversteer mm-hmm. is the uh, the blend we've been drinking. It's dang good. Oh, it's dynamite. It's so dynamite. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. That promo code is PINUP, P-I-N-U-P. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. Apexcoffeeroasters.com. If you're at all curious about my guitar repair services or my custom guitars, you can check out my websites, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. I would love to help you with that tricky repair or restoration. You know, maybe you don't have somebody in your area, or maybe you've got a very valuable guitar that you don't want to trust to just anybody. And the guitars that I make are at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's pinup, like pinup girl, P-I-N-U-P. I offer worldwide service uh, on repairs. People send me repairs from all over the country and, uh, well, even internationally. And I definitely send guitars all over the world. So if you're curious about what I do and want to learn more, that's how to check it out. ericdaw.com and pinupcustomguitars.com. Hey, guitar nerds. You probably already know that I make custom leather guitar straps. 
All of my straps are handcrafted from design all the way to completion. You can see examples of my past work on my Instagram account. That's at MelcoLeather. Visit MelcoLeather.com now to get free shipping on orders of $35 or more within the U.S. That's MelcoLeather.com. M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Hi guys, I love the show and I can't wait for each episode. I have a couple finishing questions. I, I have built a wait, couple. Sorry, is my mic on? <laughs> I've built a couple guitars at home for myself and I love the process. Number one, when using nitrocellulose, how long do you let the paint and or clear dry slash cure before wet sanding? Mm. And number two, can you share a method of lacquer checking for us at home amateurs? Mm -hmm. P.S. I love my Melco broadcaster strap and my pinup my pinup guitars pick guard. I have gotten from you both. Keep up oh. the great work. That's from Doug Stevenson. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Uh, I let my lacquer cure for about one week before I, before I sand and buff. But you can sand between coats if you need to. You know, if you're getting some orange peel or some runs or something, you you know, you can sand between coats. It's not, it's not the end of the world. A lot of it depends on what kind of lacquer you're using too. So, um, some of it dries harder and faster than others, right? Which is related to your second question, which is uh, a method of lacquer checking. I use a freezer. It's really, it's literally just a chest freezer. Mm -hmm. And after the guitar has been, I, you know, I paint it, then I um, sand and buff, and then uh, I'll stick it in the freezer. And uh, then, you know, usually overnight, and that produces pretty good uh, lacquer checking results but you have to use the right kind of paint it's not going to work if you're using lacquer with plasticizers in it it has to be kind of an old school formula my favorite that i've found and i've used a lot of different kinds but the best that i found is the mohawk uh, piano lacquer or the mohawk classic instrument lacquer right and that's something that you get in like a gallon you have to use a paint gun. If you're doing aerosols, which a lot of guys do, uh, a lot of the over-the-counter aerosols that you get really won't lacquer check very well. Um, but if you get the stuff from, like, Re-Ranch, I think their stuff will. I think it's, it's closer to, you know, it's closer to an old formula. The older lacquer. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Greetings from Maine. I enjoy your show immensely. Thank you. I have a 1946 ES300 with what is referred to as a prototype P90. Oh, yeah. It's basically a more squared off P90 without visible pole pieces. They were only made for a short time right after World War II. I love the guitar, but the pickup is very microphonic, so it is tricky to play without making annoying extraneous noises. Mm -hmm. The guitar has a spruce top, which I don't think helps the problem. I don't want to do any major mods to it, as it is pretty much mint. If I can find something that fits, I may just pull the entire pickup with wiring harness and replace it. Before I resort to that, I was wondering 
I was just wondering if you had any ideas what might tame the microphonics. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, So a few things, a few thoughts come to mind. One is um, that you could put some foam inside that guitar. And when I say foam, I don't, I, I don't mean like spray foam or expanding foam. I mean, literally like a mattress, you know, foam what, or upholstery foam yeah right? like a high density high density foam. yeah foam yeah like you know that you might stuff a pillow with mm-hmm. right um you can take the pickup off there should be a big access hole there you put some foam in there and that can help it can help a lot um the other thing you can do is wax pot that pickup some of those early p90s and this one is probably the same way some of those have a, a paper bobbin Wow. Yeah. And they're very, they're very delicate. I have wax potted them with success in the past, but it's just be be aware that this is a pickup that you really you really have to be careful with. Um if you get it too hot or if you're a little bit too cavalier handling it, you know, when you go to wax pot it, you can kill that pickup real easy. So maybe have a professional do a wax potting on that pickup. Uh, if you if you want to send it to me, I'd, I would be delighted to do that for you if you don't have somebody local there that can do that. But those are the two things I can think of. Foam inside the guitar and wax potting that pickup. Wax potting the pickup doesn't affect the value or the integrity of the guitar at all? I mean, not, not to me uh, because it's something that it's something that makes it more playable and more usable, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about a super thin film of, of wax that works into the coil that, uh, I mean, you know, your average person looking at this guitar would even, never even know that this has been done. I mean, right. it's, it's very minimally invasive. We're not going to rewind it or change anything or swap out the parts or anything like that it's just a little bit of wax in there so um no to me it doesn't it's not something that that hurts the value especially because as it is it it's a little bit unusable like you couldn't gig with it because it's so microphonic right that's that's my thing i guess so i just uh it's it's irreversible you can't good question though well you can't you can't unwax it, but okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. She makes a good point. So you know, just depends on how you feel about it. If that were my guitar, it would have been dipped in wax a long time ago. There you go. Hey guys, just came across your podcast and I'm loving it. It'll be fun working my way through the first 100 episodes to catch up. I've got a question for you regarding a guitar I'm building. I've got a nice piece of maple burl that I made into a pickguard. From that, I'm very happy with. I've brought some, I bought some bird's eye maple for the fretboard that I also like. I finished the pickguard with tongue oil, and that made it pop quite nicely. But now the fretboard needs a bit of dark, darkening slash yellowing to match. I'm tempted to throw some tongue oil on the fretboard as well, but I've heard that tongue oil on a maple fretboard can compromise the strength of the wood and cause the frets to unseat down the road. What are your thoughts? Should I try to should I try going the stain route and hope that the maple takes it evenly, or is it okay to use the tongue oil or any other oil on a bird's eye maple fretboard? Hmm. That's from Stuart. 
Thanks, Stuart. Well, a lot of guitar companies use tongue oil. Uh, I've, I, I've, I've never used it, but I've never heard of it compromising the strength or, or causing frets to unseed. Um, the trick is going to be you want to you go in really light coats. I mean, I can see how it might cause a problem if you really, you know, if you really laid it on heavily. But uh, I, I would be tempted to lacquer it. That's that's what I would do. I I prefer lacquer, and that's what I would use. And if you wanted to stain it, you could stain it and lacquer it. That's that's the more traditional way. Um, but certainly, you know. Certainly tongue oil could be used it's just not it's just not what I would use but it it can it can be done many 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 guitars have been done that way so I think you'd be safe to proceed thanks Stuart Hi Eric and Mel Eric what is your go-to fret crowning tool hmm. hope you're all well and happy that's from Jim from the sunshine coast of Queensland Thanks Jim we are doing well and we're happy you know things are getting a little bit more back to normal here in our part of the United States, uh, if depending on when you're listening to this podcast, yeah. this is this is if you're if you're from the future, we're mid May 2020. Yeah, we're right in the middle of a global pandemic, COVID nineteen pandemic trademark. So, uh, but things are starting to open back up. I went to a taco wagon and bought tacos today. Wow! How about that? Um, so th- things are starting to open back up. They're going to open up restaurants on Saturday. Uh, we've only had, I think, 30 cases in our county. And right now there's only one active case that they know of. And that guy's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's probably not what you meant. But, yeah, we're doing we're doing well. Things are good. We live in a pretty small community in rural Idaho. Would you call it rural? No. Well, I I just did. We're usually on the globe. If you look at a globe, you, it's usually Idaho Falls is nah, on there. Not usually. Did Jim have a question? Oh yeah, Jim's question <laughs> was, "What's your go-to fret crowning tool?" Well, Jim, I have a drawer full. I probably have a dozen, and the go-to one is the one that works for the fret that I'm going to crown because they're all different sizes. So, you have all different sizes of fret wire. Wide, thin, you know, tall. And uh, I have a whole bunch of different uh, fret crowning files. And uh, I pick the one that is the best size for the uh, for the fret that I'm going to crown. All of my fret crowning files, with the exception of one, uh, are probably older than I am. Wow. They're all, yeah, they're probably like 60s or 70s. Old. They're old tools that you know i get i I get them piecemeal here and there you know along the way i buy them from people that are selling them or people you know it's amazing how many people will just bring you tools when you have a pro shop (laughs) this has happened to me probably a dozen times over the years somebody um ends up with a bucket full of luthier tools because maybe somebody retired or passed away or they found it in a garage or God knows how they came up with it. But they, yep. but rather than, you know, sell it or something, they just take it to the, their local guy. And that happened to me a whole bunch of times over the years. People just brought me a 
you know, a little toolbox full of tools. And so they pile up. It's great. I mean, it's great. How yeah. can you complain <laughs> about that, right? Right. But no, I probably have 12 fret crowning files and I've, I use them all. They're great. Cool. Thanks, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Hope things are doing well down in uh, in, Australia. in Australia, where it's where it's fall. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of time travel, <laughs> you weirdos. <laughs> Hello again, Eric and Melissa. A couple episodes ago, I think I heard Eric say he really liked the Harmony Stratotones. Mm-hmm. So here's a 58 I got from Reverb, Reverb a couple years ago. Or, in, or Reverb. Reverb. So, uh, uh, yeah, Sean is sending in a nice question here, but I do want to clarify just in case somebody was going to send me one mm-hmm. as a gift. Oh, the harmony strata or just in case, like, for example, if my wife was here oh, no. and was wanted a gift idea, you know, the harmony strata tone that I want okay. is the early one with the little peanut body. Okay. Like, like like a copper top, okay. early one. He's How what early he's is got early? is a late. What he's got is a later hollow body one. I think they're like fifty four. Okay, so fifty five. Okay, yeah. Let it be known. Let it be known that, that Eric Daw has requested a harmony strata. It's one of the few guitars that I I don't have that I really want. I want one of those early copper two pickup. Harmony Stratotones. Me buying you a guitar is like you buying me makeup as a gift. Yeah, it's never going to happen. It's weird. If, with the exception that makeup is cheap. That would be... Mm, not necessarily. Compared to a 50s Harmony Stratotone, it is. In any case... Oh, yeah. Let's read Sean's question. Is Sean sending us pictures along with this, I assume? Oh, he did. Okay. There yeah. You go. Uh, so here's a 58 I got from Reverb a couple years ago in pristine condition. When I bought it, it almost looked like it was never played. Yeah. Even the pick guard looks mostly free of the kind of micro scratching to the degree that you'd expect from a guitar this old. I love that. So yeah, cosmetically it looks exceptional, but I feel like there's a reason for that. Which brings me to the problem. The tailpiece is off center by almost exactly three millimeters. Three millimeters is a lot, obviously, and when played, even for a minute, it drags the floating bridge out of place down in the direction of the pots and high strings, which basically renders it unplayable. Mm. Not sure what was happening on the factory floor the day that this was made, but even the inlays were a little off-center, only by a millimeter, though, Mm. and it obviously doesn't affect playability. Yeah. Also, on the back of the headstock, looking closely, there's this spot drilled for the tuners, but they apparently missed the first time and then didn't even bother to fill the hole. My guess is this was either 50s day drinking, a noob, (laughs) or a factory second that didn't make it through harmony quality control, if they had any. Stringent (laughs) harmony quality, famous harmony quality control Mm -hmm. department. Uh, But it is still somehow made it out of the factory anyway. Or, more likely, Harmony QC isn't stringent as I'd like to oh, imagine it you, might well, have there been. You go. And it got purchased by someone who realized something was way off, and they threw it in the closet for me for the next 60-odd years. Yeah. 
Anyway, so uh, what do we do here? My plan is to remove the tailpiece, fill the holes, tape off the surrounding area, and use a couple nitro flash coats to try and smooth and blend it over, re-drill the correct placement. Most of it will be covered back up by the tailpiece, but I want to do this right. Yeah. Is there another way? Because I can probably pull that off if I'm lucky, but I'd rather not attempt it if there's an easier, safer, less expensive, if I screw up type of option. Right on. Well, sorry, this is such a t- such a ramble. Thanks, you two. That's from Sean in Seattle, Washington. Sean, you're, you've got the right plan. You've got the green light from the Fret Files podcast. Carry on, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I would. That's what I would do. He sent me pictures, and uh, sure enough, that thing is off center. So, um, yeah, that's what I would do. Move it. Put it, put it, uh, put it back in center and make that thing playable. What a cherry guitar! Thing is clean. Cool. He sent me pictures, and it is. And I now, I I did say that I like the earlier har- harmony stratotones, and it's true. I like these too. They're beautiful. <laughs> they're beautiful. Really cool guitars, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this thing is just pristine. What a cherry! Nice guitar, Sean. Thanks for thanks for the letter, my friend. Hello, Eric. First of all, thank you so much for your podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank I'm brand you. new to listening to podcasts, mm. and I would never imagined that there would be such a thing for guitar building and repair. The internet is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's funny, and that's when I was brand new to listening to podcasts. That's what I looked for. I'm like, man, I wonder. I hope there's a, some kind of guitar repair podcast. There wasn't. So that's why I started this one. (laughs) Uh, I hate to bother you with this, but I'm trying to find a way to contact Chelsea Clark. It seems her guitars and caffeine website is no longer operating. Would you happen to have her email or business phone number? Or if you prefer, would you please pass my contact information along to her? I wanted to ask her about a complex, I think, restoration project involving a 1968 Rickenbacker 4001. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's from John. Thanks, John. Well, the reason you can't find her is because she no longer, I think, she's no longer taking repairs. She works for Fender now. Wow. Uh, long-time listeners may recall we, we interviewed Chelsea, and she had a, her own shop called Guitars and Caffeine. But, um, yeah, she works for Fender now. I think she, like, she works for the Fender Custom Shop. She makes... She makes Gretches and makes cool guitars. Anyway, uh, so you probably, you know, I mean, you could find her, but she's probably not taking repairs. I don't know. I don't want to speak for her. You can find her on Instagram. I think her new Instagram handle is Chelsea Clark underscore Fender or something like that. Or C Clark underscore Fender, something like that. You can find her. Just type her name in. Just type Chelsea Clark and Fender into Instagram and you'll find her there. Um, but if you've got a Rickenbacker 4001 that needs a restoration project, you might want to consider contacting Mark Arnquist in, uh, in Washington. Uh, there's an interview we did with Mark Arnquist. And I think at the end of that interview, we, we gave his email or his phone number or something. And he's not that hard to find Mark Arnquist, A-R-N-Q-U-I-S-T. He's, He's on Facebook, and he's pretty active there, and uh, he's absolutely a Rick specialist. That's who I would recommend, and if that falls flat, 
can always send it to me. I've worked on plenty of those, and I'd mm-hmm. be happy to, you know, give me a shout if you're if you're curious or if you want to see what I have to say about it. Thanks so much for... Now, hold on. Oh, what? You sent me one on my Instagram. One question. Oh, here I was ending the show. You were ending the show. We have one more question. All right. Why do some repair guys actually put solder on the frets when heating them for removal? Have you ever seen this? Do they do they do this for the heat distribution effects? That's from Jeff in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, I've I've I have heard of this and I've seen it. I honest to God, I think I think it's because they don't know any better. (laughs) I don't. Well, you laugh, but I. What I mean is, I think. What happened here is somebody told them, you know, to remove a fret, you you use a soldering iron and heat up the fret. And they took that to mean that you also bust out the solder and actually solder the fret, which you do not need to do. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, I can't wrap my mind around other, the, yeah, the traditional way to do it is to put a little bit of water on the fret and there'll so there'll be water on each side of the fret there and then run a soldering iron back and forth on the fret and that heats up the fret and that helps it to unseat you know Mm -hmm. and will help to lubricate the fret as it comes out heating it up kind of it it heats up the wood and brings out some of the natural oils of the wood and just helps lubricate the slot to bring it out you don't you just you just need a hot soldering iron. You're not you're not gonna solder onto the fret. So if you're doing that, I mean, stop. Y- you don't need to. I don't know. Unless somebody, if you can make a cogent argument about why you need to solder the fret, then by all means, visit ericdaw.com. R- right, Click the contact. Right, <laughs> write it in. Right into the show. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. That's another episode in the books, episode 104. Thanks for listening. Thank you for participating. We could not do the show if you don't participate, so I would strongly recommend that you do. And uh, you can do that by going to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link, send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is call or text 757-774-8482. And we will use that as part of the show. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time. Good night. Good night.